It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome, Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Police in Ottawa, Canada's capital city, have had enough of the so-called Freedom Convoy of Canadian truckers. Ottawa's police declared the protest an unlawful occupation that was, quote, increasingly volatile and dangerous. Reportedly, there have been numerous harassment complaints by residents, including a class action lawsuit filed against the truckers over the blaring of their horns. As a result, GoFundMe pulled the plug on the convoy's fundraising page, which had raised over 10 million Canadian dollars because the protest was no longer peaceful. Ottawa's mayor tweeted support for the GoFundMe decision. Quote, in light of the unlawful behavior that has transpired in the last few days, they have come to the right decision in support of our city and our residents. These protesters have been holding our city hostage for a week now, and I'm hopeful that limiting their access to funding and resources will restrict their ability to remain in Ottawa. GoFundMe today says anyone who donated to the cause will receive a refund. But yesterday, GoFundMe initially said they were going to keep the fundraising money and donate it to other charities that were approved by the Freedom Convoy. Well, this caused major backlash online. Elon Musk tweeted this photo calling GoFundMe professional thieves. Republican Congressman Jim Jordan pointed out that GoFundMe had tweeted support of an Occupy Seattle fundraiser back in 2020. Quote, GoFundMe promoted the Antifa-occupied CHOP zone in Seattle, but they shut down fundraisers for truckers protesting COVID mandates. We've got questions. At least five Republican attorneys general from Florida, Texas, Louisiana, West Virginia, and Ohio have tweeted that they are now investigating GoFundMe over the potential fraud and deception of donors in their states. The Freedom Convoy, Anita, is now also in Toronto. They claim they are peaceful and have started raising money on a new fundraising site called Give, Send, Go. All right, Sandy Rios with you this morning. Good morning. Happy Monday. (laughs) Happy Monday. Here we go again. I'm telling you, this story is compelling, and I want to give you more information. Brian Yenis did a great job just then. That's the Fox report on this. Uh, But let me just get more specific. Yes, for the GoFundMe page that was uh, getting ready to, you know, they've removed the support. They were going to take that money and allegedly give it to other charities that, you know, they deemed worthy of that money that people had given to the truckers. Uh, So they've reversed course uh, and decided now they've received so much criticism, and not just criticism, but as Brian described, a lot of politicians are coming after them. Ted Cruz is one of them. He sent a letter to the Federal Trade Commission asking that the FTC open an investigation into GoFundMe into whether they've committed deceptive trade practices. Ron DeSantis, uh, and he's one of the governors that um, that Brian mentioned, 
He said, it is a fraud for GoFundMe to commandeer $9 million at the time he wrote this in donations sent to support truckers and give it to causes of their own choosing. I will work with AG Ashley Moody to investigate these deceptive practices. These donors should be given a refund. So GoFundMe is, uh, you know, on that, they're on it. Man, they're on it. They're, uh, they're rushing. I want to also give you some background on GoFundMe. Uh, they also uh, would not give a platform to Kyle Rittenhouse, uh, there were also conservative students at Arizona University who were harassed, uh, and uh, they had they started a GoFundMe page, and it was taken down. Uh, parents targeted in Loudoun County uh, in the schools, uh, they took theirs down also. So the the CEO of uh, GoFundMe, uh, uh, forgotten his name, if I come across it, I'll tell you, uh, but he's removed his Twitter account because he's getting a little blowback. Uh, so good for him and good for that, for people to just let him have it, and for attorneys general to come after Go, GoFundMe. Obviously, GoFundMe is not a trustworthy source anymore, and so the truckers have gone to Give, Send, Go. Give, Send, Go. Give, Send, Go. That's a Christian organization, as I understand it. And they're the ones that uh, are supporting many of the J6ers. Uh, and so, uh, but the report this morning is, and I'm a little unclear about this, but they are having uh Gives and Go is having some trouble with their platform, like some of the media moguls, some of the uh, social media giants who are behind these platforms and platform the platforms are giving them trouble. So I'm not sure what's going to happen with that. But uh, right now, that's uh, that's the story on that. But I want that's not all the story. There's a lot more I want to tell you about it. Um, so the Ottawa police chief, and of course, uh, the capital is in Ottawa. Um, Peter Sloy uh, came out to speak against the truckers, and this is what he had to say. Listen, this is clip six. There is no facilitation of food, water, fuel, logistics, or funding by any member of this police service or any other police service that I am aware of. Let me repeat. There is no supply of food, water, fuel, logistics, or anything else that relates to enabling this demonstration by any member of the Ottawa Police Service or any other police service that I am aware of. Should that information come to me, you can be clear, as Chief of Police in this service, I will conduct a full investigation. I will use the full extent of the Police Service Act and, if relevant, the criminal code to pursue charges against such a member who would do that. Yeah, so they are threatening policemen that will, uh, would help the truckers in any way. Uh, they're shutting them off. They're shutting down the streets. They're putting big uh, vehicles. They're blocking the streets so that the truckers won't block the streets. That's the irony of it. Uh, but people are coming from all over to feed and care for them. And I want to give you just an idea of what that sounds like. This was, um, this is, uh, yeah, clip one. Let's listen to the story of how Canadians are coming to their aid. Let's listen. There's been nothing but giving. There's people knocking on my door every five minutes wanting to give here's my point here's my point of giving i have so much food i love you i love you there's been so many people coming up to us and uh, shaking our hands and, and helping us with food and drinks and whatnot so we came out last week with um supplies for hot chocolate coffee and tea and then people saw that we had tables and it's just been an outpouring of food i'm going to be 350 pounds before i get back home 
and I didn't leave 350 pounds. Very friendly people, everything, very nice. I got guys that come up to my door and offer me cash donations. I refuse, I don't want cash. I'm not doing this to make money. I'm doing this for the choice, for everybody's choice, for freedoms. We came back this morning and the table was completely piled full. The front was completely piled and we still have a little bit of stuff left for yesterday. The support has been incredible. I've never seen anything like it. I've never been more proud to be Canadian. Uh, plenty of locals come by who have had like their jobs hurt by, by this protest, going by to grab as much food as they can take home to, for themselves and their families. I've been um, involved in a lot of the shuttling for the truckers. Uh, every morning I've been bringing them in here. They've been staying at, at some accommodations south of the city. We're going to be out here as long as it takes. Uh, you know, there's some logistics to work out. Uh, we got to take care of school and work, but um, you know, this is this is certainly the priority at the moment. All the folks out here shoveled the walkway all the way down by hand, just by passing a, a shovel down the entire walkway for miles, making sure everybody was safe, cleaning up any trash that they come across. It's been unbelievable. Everyone here is just looking to help people. We're all here for the same reason: uh, to stand up for freedom and freedom of choice. It's nothing but love and peace out here like a real hub for people to give food and then come and get food if they're hungry. This morning we loaded up some propane tanks. We have some people uh, on, at the end of Wellington that need some more heat. So every day we're finding out what specifically they need and we'll bring it. I think this weekend is going to be bigger than last weekend just because a lot of people saw uh, what last weekend was like and would like to get involved this time around. Do you see how caring these people are? That's Canada. That is Canada. Yes, let us be Canada again. Yes, let us be Canada again. It's a very moving story, but here's the problem. I'm reading that the police in Quebec and the, of course, Trudeau is refusing to negotiate with them. He continues to call them, you know, terrorists and accusing them of violence. There just doesn't seem to be any evidence of that, but that doesn't matter, of course. So they are employing, they're beefing up their police force. They're employing whatever their undercover operation is, their equivalent to the FBI, uh, to go in and uh, gather intelligence. They're gathering names of truckers. They're licensing their companies. Uh, They're going to try to destroy them. Uh, They're going to try to isolate them uh, into a small area so that they can control them, can control the food, all of that. Uh, The punishment will be horrible. Yeah, if they don't prevail. And heaven knows the chances of them prevailing against uh, the uh, overwhelming totalitarian state that Justin Trudeau has just continued. It wasn't didn't start through him, but he's continued it. Uh, will will be an awesome opponent, uh, an overwhelming opponent. But we pray for them that they will prevail because I believe these are just plain people. Farmers are coming into town now to help them. It's just a pretty amazing story. It really, really is. It just kind of make, makes me sick, though, when I think about, you know, this is what happened in China. Um, as you will remember, the Tiananmen Square massacre. And that's kind of what I think about. I can't, I mean, this is happening, of course, at the same time that the uh, Olympic Games are taking place in China, where there were a lot of objections about us participating in that. Congressman Mike Waltz uh, went to China, and they he, along with Enos Kanter, um, uh, um, did, a, did a commercial, and they paid for it to be shown, but ABC refused to let it be shown. But I want you to hear it. This is what it sounded like, what you would have heard. The world's greatest athletic showcase. But just outside the show, rape 
genocide, slave labor. American companies are drunk on Chinese dollars, entangled with communist dictators committing atrocities and propping up these genocide games staged by the Chinese Communist Party. And what can we do? Stand for freedom, defund the dictators. When you see made in China, put it down. Servant Leadership Fund is responsible for the content of this advertising. When you see made in China, put it down. Boy, that's a good, that's really, you know, you wonder what you can do. That's what we can do. Made in China, put it down. And that's a discipline that I'm going to have to think I really need to do that because uh, I, I don't even pay attention. Uh, but I think we need, we're need. we going to have to do that if we're going to unite against that um, force. Oh, listen, there is this, you know, that reminds you guys, let's jump ahead because there's an um, Australian, uh, Malcolm Roberts, this is clip 16, and he's talking about what's getting ready imminently to happen in Australia as a result of what's happening in China. This is clip 16. Let's listen. Let's be blunt. The so-called trusted digital identity bill represents a watershed moment in Australian history. We stand at the divide between a free personal enterprise future and a digital surveillance age. If nothing is done to stop this bill, government will sit in the middle of every interaction Australians have with each other and with the world. And it achieves this in the same way China does, by creating a digital identity that forms a central part of a person's life. You can call it a license to live. What began with COVID contact tracing vaccine passports and QR check-ins will soon be formalized by an inescapable digital identity. It signals the complete end of consumer privacy, the end of citizen anonymity, and the beginning of a big brother digital age that treats the people of Australia as products rather than free human beings. The government intends to build a complete digital record of every Australian to be shared and used. Our medical history, our shopping preferences, who we associate with, whether our choices are really so-called green, social security, veteran services, travel records, website viewing, employment status, and social media comments. Everything will go on the record and be available to any large corporation that can pay for access. All of this orchestrated by a federal liberal nationals government who proudly but distortingly call it a human-centric digital identity. All right, that was Malcolm Roberts of Australia, and that's exactly what China does. That's how they control their people. By the way, there are efforts in this country right now to do the same thing, and you can bet that we will talk about that. The Chinese games are be turning out to be bizarre. There's a reporter that they pulled off the set from a, a, a Dutch reporter as he was reporting. You could see the Chinese agent taking him down. A Belgian skeleton racer was moved and isolated and not able to train, uh, held in quarantine. A, a woman, uh, I can't even tell the story, but stay tuned because you're going to want to hear what's next. It's just amazing. Stay tuned. This is Raising Godly Boys with Mark Hancock. On his first day of preschool, my son peered into the classroom and said, Dad, I don't want to go in there. I dropped to one knee in front of him and put my hand on his shoulder. Meeting him eye to eye, I reminded him about the first time he had ridden a pony. At first, he had been scared of the horse, but he faced his fear and had been so glad that he did. With that memory in mind, my son walked confidently into the preschool classroom. When your son is filled with insecurity, it's time to get on his level, eye to eye, physical touch, focused attention. Replace the fearful thoughts in his mind with reminders of how he is already the brave man that he needs to be. To find out more about raising boys to become godly men, visit Trail Life USA or RaisingGodlyBoys.com. 
you can raise godly boys, visit RaisingGodlyBoys.com. RaisingGodlyBoys.com. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Sonia Sotomayor, Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. She has served on the court since 2009. Prior to her Supreme Court nomination, she was both a district court judge and an appeals court judge. Psalm 33.5 reminds us of the importance of justice. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the steadfast love of the Lord. Right now with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Justice Sotomayor as she serves on the Supreme Court. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Stards. Stand by for news and commentary next. Are you looking for a university that provides a quality Christian education with excellent academic and athletic programs? Well, I want to invite you to visit Liberty University, where they offer multiple visiting opportunities to fit your schedule. Plan a visit to their Central Virginia campus and stay for an afternoon, a day, or an entire weekend. You can also take a virtual tour from the comfort of your own home. Plan your visit today by texting Go Visit to the number 49596. Again, that's Go Visit to the number 49596. The Communist Chinese are waging a fierce crackdown on religious groups. Their genocide of the Uyghurs has been well documented. Now the Chinese are enforcing a cultural cleansing of Hong Kong. Statues and artwork commemorating the 1989 massacre in Tiananmen Square have been removed from the Chinese University of Hong Kong. At Hong Kong University, the government removed the Pillar of Shame, a monument that memorialized the fallen of that terrible day. It's not all that different to what leftists are doing on American campuses, tearing down statues and monuments, removing anything that might remind people of difficult and ugly times in American history. Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, even Abraham Lincoln statues have become targets of the cancel culture mob. A reminder that erasing our history is more akin to what the communists do, not freedom-loving Americans. Order a copy of my new book, Our Daily Biscuit, Devotions with a Drawl, available at your favorite bookstore or online at toddsterns.com. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All right, Sandy Rios back with you. This is a story that actually each of you have a part in. And uh, we've been talking about it for some time. Actually, it seems so long, but it isn't. Uh, We were doing open lines uh, on January the 4th. And I don't do them much, and I don't take many calls. We, we're always, you know, pressed for time. And so the show was almost over when I got uh, this call. I want you to hear it just to refresh your memory, and then we're going to talk. Let's listen. Hi, Sandy. I pray God's richest blessings on you and your husband you. and your Thank family you. and grandchildren. Thank you. I just, um, you just need those blessings because of the position in which God's placed you and your family. Um, I've called just so I can have someone hear me and someone maybe see me. Uh, December 7th, Vanderbilt University called me and told me they were removing me from the kidney transplant list because I would not take the shot. I wrote an appeal letter to Vanderbilt 
on, based on religious grounds. Um, they accepted the letter to review it before the board, and it was denied. So I'm just saying, Jesus, I loved your bumper music. It is true. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And despite what happens in this earthly existence, um, my Lord and Savior is on his throne. And I will take one day at a time, and we'll see what the Lord brings into my life next and into all our lives, because this is certainly, um, certainly strange times in which we live. Yes, and so that was the story that we began to tell, and uh, I, we contacted Deborah to talk to her and got more detail, and then she was our guest later, and as a result of that, um, we're going to talk more about who she is and what she does, but uh, many of you got on board and called Vanderbilt University. So many people called, so many of you called that um, it overloaded their circuit. They set up a line just for Deborah. And uh, last Friday, after the show was over, I heard from Deborah. And uh, rather than me tell you, I want to introduce her this morning. Deborah is, by the way, used to be a basketball player at uh, Murray, Kentucky, Murray State in Kentucky. She's from Tennessee. She was a school teacher there for years. She taught physics. Uh, she teaches uh, Bible study. She's a horsewoman. She's an athlete. She's and uh, last I heard, her kidney function was down to, I believe, nine. 19%, something like that. And so uh, she joins us this morning to just talk about what's happened recently. Debbie, thanks for joining me this morning. Oh, you're welcome, Sandy. I'm so glad to be here. And right off the start, I just want to thank and praise our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is a beautiful, wonderful, good, good Father, and He looks out after all of us. Even when we don't sense His presence, He's walking with us through the valleys. I want to thank you. I want to thank Deborah Catalano from Liberty Council. Um, I want to thank the hundreds and thousands of people who listen to your show, who have called, written letters, emails to the appropriate authorities that have made my reactivation on the kidney transplant list a reality. Yeah, so let's just stop. We need to, I used to have an applause button when I was in Chicago. I need an applause button. Let's just stop and <laughs> applause. And Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Could I just say, Deborah, of all the uh, situations that I'm aware of and the various places where people are being removed from the transplant list, and it's happening more and more, that I just heard about one in Virginia. Uh, there's the young man who needs a heart. And uh, the odd thing, of course, is that the vaccine in many cases causes blood clots, myocarditis, and they won't give him a heart because he won't get the vaccine. It's just, it's bizarre. But I have never yeah. heard of any facility reversing course like they did. And so tell us, uh, let's, let's talk this through just for a second. Because, Debbie, you and I talked way back, and that started the wheels in motion for a lot of different things. Uh, you got representation from Liberty Council. Talk about that for a second. Well, actually, I have no idea how Liberty Council became involved. Obviously, somebody knew somebody who knew somebody. <laughs> and um, I, I don't know who that could be. An email. <laughs> I have no idea who she could be, but she she <laughs> might be a very powerful woman. And um, Matt Staber assigned Deborah Catalano in Florida to my case. 
that woman is amazing Christian. Uh, she, when I would be upset and, and in tears, she would say, Deborah, remember, and she would quote scripture to me. And she would say, it, it's going to be okay. Jesus loves you. It's, he's on his throne. He's working behind the scenes. We just can't see it. And she would be such an encourager, as you were, such an encourager, because here, when a person is in a role, um, in a situation, a, a dire straits, it, you feel all alone. And you feel like no one knows, no one cares. But God was active. He was active in many, many, many places. And things were working and things were falling into place. And in his timing, he pulled it all together. (laughs) Yes. And so uh, I reached out and tried to get a lot of media coverage. And I just kept running into brick walls. I mean, I I won't be specific. Uh, We did get you on Newsmax to tell your story. Yes, and uh, yes, and then also uh, yes, oh, and and so and as a result of one of the contacts that I made to cover your story, they reached out. This person reached out to Representative Jason Zachary, who is a, con- a, a legislator in Tennessee, who reached out to you. He's working on some sort of a, I don't even know what he's working on. Some patients' bill of rights, I think it's called in Tennessee, and so he got involved. I would have to say that one of my biggest disappointments. Um, is that, to my knowledge, uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn did not get involved. I reached out to her. She's been on our show so many times. And uh, they, they, as far as I know, they did nothing. And I want people to know that because I think that's a travesty. But Liberty I Council got in. I twice and did not hear from her. Yeah, well, and that's I contacted so them. Yeah, it is sad, and it's wrong. Uh, so I just, that needs to be said. But um, right now, let's let's talk about where... Uh, things are for you, Debbie. They they called last week and they asked uh, for uh, um, a, a Zoom call with you. Yes, and uh, what what's your state of health right now? Well, as God would have it, my state of health is good. Um, my specialist has moved to Utah. He left no uh, December thirty first, and I've had him for ten years at Vanderbilt. So my heart is broken over that. But he told me, you are the healthiest kidney failure patient I have ever seen. (laughs) And I, and every time you just have to give the, you have to give the due where it's due and it's the good Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Otherwise I would be homebound. I would be in dialysis three times a week. Um, But I just keep plugging along and the Lord has, his grace sustains me. And, uh, but, but my health is not good, really. When you read all of my, when you read that list on Vanderbilt's site, I I look, is that me? Is that me? (laughs) And, but it is me because the data, they say that I'm a very, very sick and ill person. And my husband and I realize that at any point, something may turn extremely south and my situation may change. Well, um, you know what? But now probably we glory Deborah, in Jesus and we move forward. I'm thinking, you know, that probably has a lot to do with your uh, physical vigor because you're an athlete and you're so that that's bound to be countering some of this. But you're probably right. I mean, you cannot survive without a functioning kidney. And so, uh, you know, when we talked 
when we did the long-form interview, you said that several people had, uh, anonymous people had, had stepped up to the plate to donate a kidney, and I believe you said that one was compatible. Do you know what the status of that is? No. Miss um, Clark with Vanderbilt, the, the kidney transplant coordinator, knows that. She said she cannot divulge that information. So um, in the Zoom call on Thursday, when I was speaking with the physician that was interviewing me about my letter, my religious letter of exemption, she asked me if I knew that the drugs they would put me on were also derived from aborted fetal tissue. And I was stunned because my research had not shown that. Um, and she said, she said, I just don't know how you can contradict your religious belief system in order to take the drugs to keep a healthy kidney and not take the shot. And I said, well, I will have to do more research and I need some religious counsel from my pastor. So I went to my pastor. They, they did tell me I could call, the, uh, email them back. And I went to my pastor and spoke with him. And then I looked back at my notes from my interview with the chair of the Department of Transplant, Kidney Transplant. And he gave me the names of my drugs. And it was Pro, Prograph and Selcept. And upon researching those again, I'd already done it, but my brain is foggy these days. And I found they are derived from bacterium that are in the soil and not from baby body parts. And so I thought, was I being deceived or was I being misled or were they trying to intimidate or trying to frighten me? I don't know what the, so I asked her the purpose of her call. I said, just what is the purpose of your call? And she said, "Well, if you're not going to take our drugs, we're not going to give you your put in. We're not going to put you back active on the list." But my pastor assured me from looking at Prograph and Cellcept. He said, "If they offer you a kidney, you take it and you take those drugs in Jesus' name, and you go forth and tell people about Christ and His love for them, and He has a beautiful, abundant life here and a paradise in the future." He said, you keep doing what you're doing. And I said, I will. I'll go forth in the glory of the Lord. <laughs> so then she said to you that they, you would be reinstated. She also said, claimed that you were never taken off the list. That was ironic. But uh, let me just say that I think, uh, and I said this to you privately, I think, you know, it's pretty tough for them to reverse course. It's like mud in their face. And they're ang- <clears throat> some of them are angry. I'm sure some of them are delighted, to be honest. I imagine some there are lots of people there who are not down with what's happening, uh, but there's a lot of probably resentment that you were able to have so much support and make this public, and that pressure would be brought to bear and expose them. I'm sure a lot of Tennesseans were not down with this, so I think they probably they had to get their sh- yeah. I think they, they had to weren't. get their shot in. There's a white lady in Lexington, Tennessee. She's been like a bull pit bull terrier. She's been all <laughs> over this. Her name Kathy and just hasn't let it go, and she calls me and checks on me to see how I'm doing, because it has been nerve-wracking. And, yeah, you're right. There's thousands of people yes. who did. Yeah. And, you know, at uh, at Vanderbilt Nephrology Clinic, where I go for my checkup, I will go at the end of this month. Uh, they love me. I love them. I go in there, and they go, well, hey, Miss Debbie, there comes sunshine. And... <laughs> 
that, you know, we just love one another. So this was above them. Yep, I think so too. from above. Yes, I do too. I think so, very much so. And that's why we just had to talk, you and I, and people needed to know. Because uh, we have a lot of, we don't have a lot of victories that we see. And I feel, uh, you and I, (laughs) we prayed and thanked God that for this victory, uh, not only for you, certainly for you, but also for the people of uh, God who prayed and interceded. And lots of people wrote, you know, with suggestions, people that were close to Vanderbilt tried to intercede. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim Wildman, mm-hmm. our, our president, got involved, and we, we sent out um, um, missives to our uh, members of AFA in uh, our Tennessee family there, and they stood, stood, stood up to the plate. And so, so many people have a vested interest, and they've prayed and interceded. And this is a gift from God to all of us, Debbie, an encouragement, a shot in the arm. And uh, don't you think it would be appropriate to have people now call Vanderbilt and thank them? I think it would be lovely. I think it would be the, the what Christ would have us do um, is to be always be grateful. We know truly that the gift came from him, but they need to know that we're grateful for what they've that the correct decision that they've made. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I think do. so too. So, I, so all of, would all of you listening, I, I wish I could have the number to offer you, but it's not hard to find. I'm sure Vanderbilt, uh, University Medical Center in um, in Nashville, Tennessee, and so just uh, find find the number and give them a call and leave your you know get, tell them you have a comment uh, on something and and praise them. Don't I guess I'm you know what I'm not going to put words in your mouth. Just say what God puts on your heart to say and express your gratitude and mention Debbie's name. And because we certainly don't want them to go back on this. And I guess I'm a little nervous about that. I don't have a lot of trust. I don't think they will, Debbie. But, you know, if they had an excuse to, I'm sure they would. And so let's, um, let me pray for you right now uh, with everyone listening for something specific. Father, I just pray that you would bring someone to donate a kidney that is compatible with Debbie's yes, body, Jesus. something that could happen quickly, that could uh, just spare her. Lord, I think of the the, the people in, in Scripture who said, "Lord, it's your reputation." Well, in some ways, it is your reputation, God, and we we defend it fiercely. We take what comes from your hand. We take the good and we take the bad, and we trust you. But we would love to be able to show to the world this answer to prayer and your mighty power. And so we ask for you to continue. I don't even need to ask you that because I just know you will. And we want to thank you and praise you in advance for whatever you're going to do next. And Debbie, uh, in Jesus' name, I pray that. Debbie, it's been such a pleasure. We've grown to love you. And um, you have to let us know now. I love you, too. (laughs) As things progress, you have to let us know what's happening. But meanwhile, this is a great day of celebration for Debbie. It is a day of celebration. And Jesus is alive. And he is on his throne interceding to his Father on our behalf. And yes. if you don't know him, I pray you will come to him today. Yes, amen and amen. All right, Debbie Doster, we'll talk to you soon. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. Are you in need of hope, encouragement, and the love of God? I'm Pastor Salem. I'd like to invite you to join us for the Christian Worship Hour. For decades, I've been teaching the Word of God so that people everywhere can experience the love and power of a personal relationship with our Lord. Tune into this station this weekend and prepare to be blessed and encouraged by another life-changing message. Learn more about our program at ChristianWorshipHour.com. 
Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. A Kansas woman named Allison Fluke Ekron defected to Syria and rose through the ranks of ISIS to lead a battalion of female terrorists. She faked her death in 2018 to evade capture by the U.S. government, but she was ultimately arrested on the Syrian battlefield and extradited last week to face terrorism charges in the U.S. She's accused of recruiting terrorists to attack an American college, as well as planning terrorist attacks at American shopping malls. Fluke Ekron reportedly believed that any attack that didn't kill a large number of people was a waste of resources. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. This is Frank Affney with the Secure Freedom Minute. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi warned American Olympians last week not to anger the, quote, ruthless, unquote, Chinese communist regime. Those inside the genocide game's totalitarian bubble surely needed no reminder that they are competing in a monstrous police state and thereby legitimating it. Rather, Mrs. Pelosi seems to be trying to impress on the rest of us that the CCP's rise is inevitable and the resistance to it is dangerously futile. She sounds like Tokyo Rose, the voice of Imperial Japan's efforts to demoralize and defeat our troops in World War II. Unfortunately, Beijing Nancy, like the two people north of her in the constitutional food chain, is compromised financially and or ideologically by the Chinese Communist Party. The CCP sees an opportunity for aggression. Disabusing it requires publicly repudiating Beijing Nancy and the others among our elites captured by and helping our ruthless enemies. This is Frank Gaffney. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. We now have data popping out for the January employment report, and it is much better than expected. 467,000. 467,000 multiples of what we were expecting. And if we look at private payrolls, 444,000. Manufacturing up 
13,000. The unemployment rate up to 4%. So it did move up one-tenth from 3.9 to 4%. Month over month, average hourly earnings, a whopping seven-tenths. Year over year, 5.7. Big numbers. Average work week, 34.5. That drew down a bit. That somewhat on made and sense. On and on. It's just pretty amazing. That's uh, CNBC just uh, like bursting at the seams over the jobs report last Friday. But what we're learning is that the Bureau of Labor and Statistics actually cooked the books on that. And and this is like the analysis. This is, uh, this is from this uh, commentator whose name, he calls himself Sundance. I don't know who it is, actually. He says, in my lifetime of reviewing data and analytics, I have never reviewed a level of statistical manipulation that even comes close to this. Uh, what the About the... Um, uh, Bureau of Labor and Statistics produced today will likely go down in the annals of actuarial history as one of the most comprehensively fraudulent manipulations of labor and statistics in history. And then he goes on to explain it. We should put that on our um, getter page. BLS Cook, Cook's Books to Generate January Jobs Report that no one believes for good reason. Uh, there's a lot of chicanery going on, and uh, it's hurting American people, hurting the American people. And nowhere is it worse than in gas and oil and energy. Um, we're just hearing a word that U.S. oil prices have topped $90 a barrel. They're suspecting they'll go up to 120 Gas prices just reached a new seven-year high, up almost a, a dollar a gallon uh, this past year, and it has surged seven cents in just one week. Well, what does this mean to us? Why is it happening? And I thought of my good friend Tom Pyle. Uh, Thomas Pyle is the president of the American Energy Alliance. He works out of Washington, and uh, he's uh, he's the best person I could think of to talk about to explain this to us. Tom, thanks. Thank you for joining me, and good morning. Good morning, Sandy. So great to hear from you. Hey, I just want to ask you uh, a general question first, Tom, because when President Trump was in office and when he left office, we just were here. These headlines were incredible that American energy, we had just surpassed and our coffers were full and we were producing more energy than Saudi Arabia and Russia and we were putting, you know, uh, it was just an amazing story. All right, I know what happened, but you tell us what happened Uh, to that. What happened to that? Well, thanks for setting the stage. In 2019, for the first time since the 1950s, the United States exported more oil than they imported, and we produced more than we consumed. I don't know what the definition of energy independent is. Uh, it is a global commodity, but that sounds like it to me. And since this administration from day one took office, um, he has made it absolutely clear. He made it clear in the campaign that he wanted to shut this engine down, and he has. The very first thing he did was cancel the the critical link between Canadian oil and our refineries, the Keystone Pipeline. He's threatened gasoline marketers with FTC investigations. He's threatened new punitive taxes on the oil and gas industry. He's basically used his um, energy um, commission to shut down new pipelines. Um, They're talking about more taxes on carbon border, methane, um, and, and... just the list goes on and on and on. Meanwhile, our imports from Russia have increased. They're now our number two importer. Where we are, we are turning what was a, a a strategic advantage in the world with our energy to tying our hands behind our backs. And you know, Biden can hide uh, 
all these job numbers, none of this matters to folks because the, these, this is the reality of what people are, are, are paying at, uh, out of their pockets. The highest gas prices in seven years, as you mentioned. Lumber prices up nearly 100%. Heating oil over 60%. Natural gas over 50%. Uh, other commodities, uh, goods and services like cotton, copper, and stuff, over 20 and 30%. This is what we at AEA call greenflation. I know that the term inflation is flying around. But the underpinning of all this inflation is is this total disregard for our energy production in this country. That is the yeah. basis for all of the input costs for food and everything else. And the poorest among us are hit the absolute hardest by all this, Andy. I know. I know this is the part. This really just, it really, it hurts. It's like a knife because we know that grocery prices... And the prices of all goods and services have uh, just gone up so much. In some cases, like food has gone has doubled, and families of you know regular working families are just groaning under the under the weight of this. It's just so criminal. You cannot even find the words. I I just want to also make this point. If it wasn't obvious. Uh, a lot of people will hear this. Well, that's just big oil and all those energy producers, and you know they need to have. They've made so much money. They need a little. You know. It's okay for things to pull back, but that's just so shallow in thinking. And you did touch on it. And I just have to say this affects everything you buy, everything you sell, everything we do. I think of the poor people in the Northeast trying to heat there, especially the far Northeast. They Most of them use heating oil. And you said pr- the prices are up 60%? 60% year over year. Uh, it, it's like taking your wallet and just throwing money out the window, right? I mean, there's no reason for it. Um, no reason for the it. Worst, here's the worst part. These guys are, uh, you know, all talking about how we got to get off of these energy resources, which, by the way, globally account for 84% of all our energy. Just three sources, coal, oil, and natural gas. You may not like them, but you cannot deny, you cannot deny the, the, the amazing benefits that they provide the world. They want to get us off of these and go on electric vehicles and on renewables and wind and solar. Well, the single number one input to these are, are called rare earth minerals, like the lithium and the cobalt and things that you hear about. Guess who controls all of that? China. 80% of the, of the rare earth minerals that are used for these so-called you know, renewable energy resources are all sourced or, or owned by or, or produced in or sourced in China. So in essence, the, the Biden energy plan is this. Take the number one energy superpower that we once were and replace, replace that status with our dependency on China, OPEC, and Russia. It's just it's madness. And, uh, of course, you and I both know, and I want to get to this, uh, that it's worse than we think. It isn't just a game of energy sources and prices it's something so much more insidious, and that brings me to just your thoughts. I know that you're not a car industry guy, but because they are fossil fuel operated for the most part, you know about this stuff. We can't find cars now, and when you do find them, they cost exorbitant amounts of money. Rental cars are exorbitant, used cars are exorbitant, and they've said, you know, it's because you can't, we can't get the chip, which is made in China. Uh, but do you think that's all that's happening here? No, uh, it's not. What's happening is that the in this mad rush to electrify um, vehicles, like how many people do you know own an EV? Not too many, right? 
An so electric really vehicle? Luxu- yeah, an electric, electric vehicle. vehicle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, so nobody really. They're really kind of a luxury item, you know? Like, people who can afford maybe a third or fourth car so they can feel good and say, hey, look look at me, I'm doing my part. Well, the, the government is, is trying to mandate these vehicles, and, and nobody wants to buy them, and they're more expensive, and they're not necessarily safer, and they're not necessarily better for the planet. But that's where they want to go. And the, the problem is that the car industry, the auto industry, is playing ball. Like, they're not pushing back and saying, no, government, we want to produce cars that Americans want to buy, not the ones that you're telling us we have to make for them. Right? They're taking away our choice. But what it is doing is it's costing more for the vehicles that we want to buy, uh, SUVs, for example, because in order to offset the, the losses that they're taking or the hit that they're taking on these electric vehicles that nobody's buying, they, they're increasing the cost of the cars that we're buying, right? And so, yeah, there's more than just the supply, there's the chip issue here at stake. Um, this is government basically telling us what's best for us trying to take away our choice. And the auto industry, quite frankly, should be ashamed of themselves because instead of standing up for consumers, they're basically just getting in line and taking handouts from the federal government to try to produce these cars that no one wants to buy. It's so short-sighted. It's so short-sighted because they are going to be in the same boat as all of us just because, you know, they're executives. They're, they're going to kill their own industry. And the other thing, too, Tom, I guess I'd take it even further. I think the totalitarians among us don't want us to drive cars. Uh, they would like for us to be uh, in our little places isolated. Uh, that that gives us power, being able to drive cars. And that reminds me of that you know legislation. They want to put a kill switch in every every vehicle by twenty twenty four twenty six. I I know this is probably out of your bailiwick, but your thoughts about that? Well, I mean, it I mean, you can see it and feel it in just the the policies that are being being put in place right now in, in urban areas. Right, they're reducing lanes, they're reducing parking. They're basically their strategy is to make you miserable in your car, right? So that you are sort of like reach a boiling point and say, forget it. I don't want to do this anymore. But again, what these liberal elites and these like, you know, people who live in the coast don't understand is the world between the coast is vastly different, right? There's a lot more open space. There's a lot. These are the workers, (laughs) Look at what's going on in Canada, right? Like, God bless the truckers. Yes, I mean, they're showing Americans what it means to be, you know, to fight for your freedom while we sit around and cheer them on in some cases and in other cases with the liberals call them terrorists, right? So the the middle of the country is not playing the same in in the same game as, as the liberal elites who want to basically put them down and tell them what to do, right? Take away their livelihood. You take away their F-150, for example, you take away their livelihood. Yep. Hey, Tom, I want to ask you about a couple of things quickly that are really important. Uh, This is in your wheelhouse, and that is that the U.S. coal stockpiles are nearing historic lows. I know that Joe Biden has dipped into them. Just you you tell us about what's going on with that, and how can we stop that? What does it mean? Okay, so the administration and the the, uh, administration prior to Donald Trump also uh, have tried to clamp down and shut down coal production in this country. Um, they have produced policies that make it impossible to, to um, mine for these resources on federal lands, right? That's the first front in this war. They've, they've worked to shut down coal-fired power plants, which, by the way, when you have the state of Texas nearly um, 
being not being able to turn uh, keep the lights on yet again for the second winter in a row. One of the reasons is because they got rid of all of their coal. Yeah. Okay, you may not like coal, but it is a reliable source of energy. And the other reason we're, we're our supplies are low is because everywhere else in the world, namely China, they're they're telling the United States, you know what? I'm not playing ball with this climate agenda. I'm taking care of my needs at home. So the irony of the Olympics is that China and Russia just inked long-term oil contracts and long-term mineral contracts with each other, right? While they're there, um, you know, during the Olympics. And they basically sent a message to the United States that we're going to partner up and take you on as a superpower. And what are we doing? Budgeting around with jobs numbers. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's uh, scary. It's it's a like dark humor, scary. It's unbelievable what they're doing, and so Tom, I guess the only the only recourse that I know of is to uh, get them out of office. And I, I'm assuming you feel the same way. Do you? Is there another recourse? Something you could su- suggest? Well, that is certainly the first and most important thing we need to do: is stop the madness. And and you know, we we talk about this all the time. Our frustration with Republicans, but if the Republicans take the House and Senate, or just the House, at a minimum, at least. We can stop some of this madness. Now, I'm not saying we're going to go go back to um, a situation we had under President Trump anytime soon, but that's the first step. The other step is for us to push back. I mean, folks need to, to get a little spine and, and, you know, we need to have a convoy here, right? That's important, too. We need to push back against these ridiculous, ridiculous policies. Yeah, well, I know they're trying to. You know, the Facebook took down a Facebook page. They were trying to organize a convoy here. But my understanding is that it's uh, they're managing to coordinate anyway, and we'll, we'll so stay tuned for that one. One other thing I need to mention, Sarah Bloom Raskin is Biden's appointee for the Fed vice chairman, and she has a history. She is intent on destroying fossil fuels, no matter the economic cost. So just one more thing. It's very blatant. Uh, it's like a, a, an enemy of the country could not do worse and Joe Biden and his administration to destroy our energy supplies. Tom Pyle, it's so nice to talk to you. American Energy Alliance, we appreciate your input and your expertise and all that you do on our behalf there in Washington to to preserve our energy and save the country. Thank you. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.